Philippians chapter number 4, and we're going to look at verses, uh, verse 11 here as we begin this morning. I'm going to talk to you this morning about being content, something we struggle with in our culture and our world today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I, oh, I'm sorry, before I preach, I, we got a special music, I almost forgot all about it. Brother Joe, will you forgive me? You forgive me publicly? Come on, Brother Joe, Brother Joe's going to sing. I'm excited to preach this morning, I forgot we had a special music. There you go, Brother Joe, you, you just use this one instead. storm all above me and there's no hiding place meet the cross of the thunder precious lord hear my cry keep me safe till the storm passes by till the storm passes over Till the thunder sounds no more Till the clouds roll forever From the sky Hold me fast, let me stand In the hollow of thy hand Keep me safe Till the storm passes by Many times Satan whispers, there's no need to try. For there's no end of sorrow, there's no hope by and by. But I know thou art with me, and tomorrow I'll rise. There the storm never dark in the skies till the storm passes over till the thunder sounds no more till the clouds roll forever from the sky hold me fast let me stand in the hollow of thy hand Keep me safe till the storm passes by. When the long night has ended and the storms come no more, let me stand in thy presence and that bright peaceful shore in that land where the tempest never comes lord may i dwell with thee when the storm passes by till the storm passes over till the thunder sounds no more till the clouds roll forever from the sky Hold me fast, let me stand In the hollow of thy hand Keep me safe till the storm passes by Keep me safe till the storm passes by Thank you, Brother Joe. Let's try that again. Take your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Thank you so much. Verse 11, the Bible tells us, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned whatsoever state I am, 
therewith to be content. So the question this morning, what state are you in or how to be content? Let's pray together. Lord, we confess as we begin our service this morning, Lord, that we struggle very much in this matter of contentment. Lord, often we fight you, we get angry, we desire things we ought not desire, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning. We complain. Lord, we question. Lord, I believe a great need on the heart of every believer. Lord, we're going to examine this morning. Lord, I don't think there's any of us here that can check out from this thought that can say, oh, I don't need that. Lord, it's across the board for all of us. Lord, some of us have bigger struggles than others, but Lord, all of us would have to admit this morning that we all share difficulty in this matter of being content. Lord, I want us today to see your purpose and your will. And Lord, I pray you to work in every heart. Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that knows you're not a Savior, Lord, I pray that they would know the way they can have perfect contentment eternally is to understand the greatest news the world has ever heard, that you loved us, that you came, became flesh, and dwelt amongst us. You, the God of eternity, became flesh. You never sinned. You lived a perfect, sinless, spotless life. And yet you went and hanged on a cruel cross. You died a sinner's death even though you were sinless. You were buried and rose again to pay our sin debt. And Lord, you offer to every person forgiveness, hope, and heaven. Simply by belief, by grace through faith. Lord, I pray if there's one here that knows, knows you not, I pray today that they would come face to face with that truth that you convict them even now of their need of a Savior. Lord, would you work in my heart today? Help us to trust you. Bless us now. Help me, Lord, to preach and write your truth. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I want you to hold your place in Philippians there. I'm going to read. If you want to turn, you can. But 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And we're going to come back to Philippians in just a moment. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read verses 6 through 10 this morning. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seemeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. If you look back in the book of Philippians and turn back just a page to Philippians chapter 2, you'll see in verses 19 and 20, it says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus. I'm sorry, that's not... Uh, yeah, Philippians chapter 2. I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, and that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Verse 20, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. What state are you in this morning? What's your condition? I grew up in the United States. I grew up in the state of West Virginia. I grew up next to, the state I grew up next to was the state of Ohio. And my wife is from Ohio, but she got saved. And uh, she's from the state of Ohio. And when you grow up in a bordering state or bordering 
province, of course, there's always the jokes. And the Ohioans had the West Virginia jokes. And the West Virginians had the Ohio jokes. And I remember one time we uh, lived in Ohio. Our residence was in Ohio. And the vehicle we drove before we came to Canada had Ohio plates. And I was in West Virginia. And I was in a parking lot. And some guy was having some... Uh, road, road rage issues. Have you ever had anybody with road rage issues? And they came up to me and, and said, I can tell you're from Ohio, because I had Ohio plates. And I just laughed at the guy. I said, no, actually, I'm from West Virginia. And then he didn't know what to say. He was going to say something, but he walked away. And we think of states of where we live or places of living, but what is the state, what is the condition of our heart? I remember a few months ago when I had a heart attack. I was in the hospital at the ALEC, and after I had some tests run, my cardiologist came in. He's a believer and a wonderful man. He came in, and he said, Mr. Rice, he said, I have no idea what the inside of my heart looks like. He said, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. He said, nobody has seen the inside of my heart. He said, but I've seen the inside of your heart. I know what it looks like. He said, I know the condition of your heart. And he told me it was cold and dark and evil. And <laughs> oh, he told me it was in good shape. Uh, I think my wife paid him to tell me that. But he said, I've seen your heart. I know the condition of your heart. Can I tell you that a doctor can't see the condition, the condition of your spiritual heart? Only God himself can see the state that you're in. This morning, I want us to, to think about what state, what condition our spiritual hearts in, our emotions, our, our life, as we think about this matter of being content, being content. By Paul's testimony, Paul said, I have a problem, and I asked the Lord to get rid of my problem, and he didn't. Some of you see, I have a problem too. I asked God to get rid of it, but my husband's still there. Uh, ask the Lord to get rid of my problem. My wife's still around. My kids just won't leave. But Paul had a problem, a thorn in the flesh. And he asked the Lord. And God said, no. I've got a purpose for it. And Paul said, I've learned in what state that I am to be content. Paul said, I've got a thorn. I've got a physical condition. But I, I'm content that God has a purpose for it. In Philippians chapter 4, in the text we began with this morning, we see that he had learned to be content. He'd accepted his position. He, he decided that wherever God had him was okay. Whatever place he was in, if it was God's purpose, that was all right. And this morning I want us to see some things about this matter of being content being satisfied, being satisfied with the seat that God has you in in life, being satisfied with the state you're in, the things that are going on around you. In our world today, in our day, in your family, in your business, in every aspect of life, Paul asked God three times to let him change, but God didn't permit it. God wanted him there. How many have ever flown in an airplane and you've got separated from maybe your spouse or your kids and maybe you had a seat there and someone had a seat there and you've asked the question, hey, would you mind if, if I sat by my wife? Would you mind, uh, wife, if I sat by my husband? Would you mind, could we trade seats? You ever done that before? I did that once. You know what I heard? No. <laughs> Brother Kramer had to stay in my seat. I could have thrown them out the window, but, you know, there's a problem there. You know, I've watched too many movies to know that you open up an airplane, problems happen. Uh, no, I, I just had to stay in my seat. I, I couldn't switch. I couldn't change. And sometimes God wants us to stay in our seat. And we need to learn to be okay with that. We need to learn to be content with that. Just a couple of thoughts this morning. If we're going to be content, if we're going to be okay with the state that we're in, number one, we have to accept the fact that God's in control. 
You have to accept the fact this morning, dear friend, that God is in control. By the way, you're not in the, in, behind the steering wheel. You're not controlling your life. Sometimes you try to take control, but God is in control. And the sooner we realize that God is in control, the sooner we can come to the place where we can be content. We can say, you know what? God's in control. God knows what he's doing. Paul accepted the fact that God was in control. Paul accepted the fact that I, I don't understand this. This is not what I want. But God knows what he's doing. I talked about being in an airplane. It's like the person that's afraid of flying that sits in the airplane and holds a seat. And uh, every time there's turbulence, ah, 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 ah. The, the, the pilot begins to bank for a turn. And, oh, what's he doing? He knows what he's doing. He, he's the pilot. When I get on an airplane, I don't have any anxiety at all. My only anxiety is, Lord, please don't let somebody as fat as me be sitting beside of me. <laughs> My only anxiety is, Lord, please, uh, would, would you give me an empty seat beside of me so I can spread out? But as soon as I get on the airplane, my first goal is, okay, I want to fall asleep. Unless I have work I'm doing, if I don't, man, I'm going to go to sleep. Man, I can wake up and it's all over. I'm there. I, I, I don't ever say, oh, Lord, please, please don't let the pilot crash. I'm so worried, Lord. No, he's a I wouldn't have got on the airplane if I didn't believe the pilot was going to get me there. Christian, God knows what he's doing. You can trust him. When we accept the fact that God is in control, God is the one. Now, it's not sinful to ask the Lord to let you change seats. We talked this morning very timely about prayer and about asking God about everything. Nothing sinful about that. But sometimes it's not God's will. And we need to understand and accept the fact that God's in control. There, there are some of you in this room that are facing some, some things in your life that you wish you could change. Maybe some health situations. Maybe some financial situations. So some relationships. Some problems, some struggles. And you wish, hey Lord, could, could I change seats? <laughs> Lord, I, I, I don't want to be here. Uh, I want to be somewhere else. This isn't what I planned. I, I didn't plan on having this health situation. Lord, I, I didn't plan on facing this financial difficulty. Lord, I didn't plan on this relationship problem uh, or this, bro Lord, I, I didn't plan that. God, I want to change seats. But we need to understand and come to grips with the fact that God's in control. And sometimes the assignment of life, the state of our life, we think, man, some, surely this isn't right. And by the way, it's not that God does evil because of the result of sin in our world. We all deal with the ramification of sin. Not our sin, just sin in general, the curse of this world. Every sickness is the result of original sin. Every brokenness of relationship result of original sin. And sometimes we can't change seats. We, we have to stay where we're at on our way to heaven and we can't change. So you can either accept the place that God has you, accept the condition, or you can rebel. You can rebel. We've all seen viral videos of people on airplanes who've lost their minds, who have said, I'm not sitting here, I'm sitting there, you can't tell me. We, we've all watched them like a train wreck. You can't look away. <laughs> as they tase them, as they come and they drag them off the airplane, you go, man, what an idiot. Man, what, what's wrong with these people? What, what's their problem? And I wonder how often our actions and attitudes toward God look very much like those viral, horrible video clips of people that they don't want to listen. They don't want to take their seat. They don't want to listen to the pilot. Uh, they don't want to obey the rules of the airline. We need to realize and come to grips with the fact that God's in control. 
you're going to learn that the assignment may not be easy. It may be hard. Your state may be painful or discouraging or lonely. But the only thing we can do in steps towards contentment in our life is accepting the fact God's in control. You have no idea the peace that brings. You can't control it. Only God can control. And He's in control. Number two, for contentment to come, not only do I have to accept God's in control, I have to, number two, be willing to follow His decision, whatever it be. I have to be willing to follow God's decisions. Letter A, God did not remove Paul's thorn in the flesh. And, and I've mentioned this several times in the last couple of weeks as we've talked about prayer in different areas, but when we talk about contentment, we need to remember God didn't say to Paul, oh, I'm sorry, Paul, I didn't know that thorn was causing you a problem, I'll remove it. No, God didn't do that. Because it was God's purpose. It was for God's glory. That's why Paul said, I... I'll glory in my infirmities. Because I realize I'm going to accept whatever God's decision is. And I'm going to trust the Lord. I remember when my wife and I were praying that God would give us children. And it seemed as though that was never going to happen. And we were praying, God, would you give us children? Thought, Man, maybe the Lord's decided not to give us children. I, we talked to our pastor. Our pastor prayed for us in North anointed us with oil and prayed that God would give us children, but I remember as he prayed, Lord, whatever your decision is, you're good. I remember going home that night and said, God, if you give me a child, you're a good God. God, if your purpose is for us never to have children, you're still a good God. And by the way, God's good not because I have three children. God's good because God is good all the time. And understand this morning, we need to be willing to follow God's decision. We get in a state or condition of life and we say, okay, God's in control, but I'm going to tell God what to do. I'm going to tell God how it is. And God, you're going to change my seat. God, you're going to fix this. You're going to do what I want you to do. God is not your genie in a bottle. You do not command God, period. I don't care what the hell evangelists say. I don't care what the false church you used to be a part of says. I don't care what all the false religion of the world says. You do not command God. You do not speak uh, the word of God over any situation of life. God is the one in control, not you. That's right. Amen. You don't even get to touch the wheel. It's not yours. You do not control God. And the sooner you understand that God's in control, not you, not your flesh, not your will, it's God that's in control, the sooner you can rest and trust the Lord. And realize that I can trust his decision, whatever it is. I said, uh, first of all, letter A, God didn't remove Paul's sword in the flesh. Also, letter B, if God does not answer your prayer in the way you want, follow him anyway. Here's what you do. Oh, God, if you'll just do this, Lord, I'll serve you. Ever prayed that prayer? Sure you have. Lord, if, if, you'll just, if you'll just answer this prayer, Lord, if you'll just do this, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever, Lord. Lord, I'll be faithful to church. Lord, I'll read my Bible. Lord, I'll give to missions. Lord, I'll surrender my life. Lord, if you'll, just, if you'll just do what I ask. But then God doesn't do what you want. Well, I'm not trusting him anymore. I don't, I don't trust God's decision. How many of you as a kid, you ask your mom something and mom said no? You ever done that? You know what you probably did next? You went to dad. Now, you didn't say, hey, I asked mom and mom said no. You just went to dad and said, hey, dad, what do you think about this? And dad was watching football or hockey or uh, basketball on TV. He's like, yeah, whatever you want, just go ahead. And mom said, hey, I told you no. Yeah, dad said I could. God doesn't do what you want. 
we go looking for another God. Can I tell you who we normally find? Ourself. Most Christians are actually humanist. We want to be our own God. We want to follow what the devil said to Adam and Eve. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. We want to be our own God. We want to make decisions. We want to be in the driver's seat. We need to come to grips with the fact that God's in control. Number two, we need to be willing to follow whatever decision it is. When God doesn't answer the way you want, we still need to obey and follow him. Letter C, for some of you this morning, for some of us this morning, God's not going to change your place or seat in this life. Many of us have something or some things in our life that every day we have to face and go, man, I wish this wasn't the case. Lord, I, I wish I didn't have to deal with this. For some of you, maybe it's a broken relationship. For some of you, maybe it's broken health. Maybe it's broken finances. Maybe it's some other problem in life. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's a relationship with your son or your daughter or, or a spouse. Or, but understand, sometimes we don't get to change seats. I was telling Carrie this morning as I was getting ready, I was struggling. And I told her, I said, I wish I had, I had at least one good shoulder. I've got one that's separated. I've got another. I've got a partial patella or partial rotator cuff tear, I think. And I, pretty much everything I do with either arm, I feel it. I wish that wasn't the case. But probably until I get to heaven, that's going to be the case. And we have many issues like that in our life that they're not going to change. And we need to realize that we can follow God's decision, whatever it is. We, we can trust him. The only way to contentment is to accept God's in control and to realize that whatever God decides, I can trust him. I can trust him. Luke 19, 13, and he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. Christian, we need to occupy till he comes. We need to stay faithful. By the way, that word occupy didn't mean just sit around as a bump on a log. That occupy meant, hey, do the business I left you to do. Fulfill the obligations I've given you. We may be in the position of hardship. Whatever state I am, therewith to be content. If that's your assignment, if that's your seat, trust the Lord. It may be the position of loneliness. It may be that, you know, you had dreams or aspirations of one day having a wife or, or a young lady had an aspiration of, of having a husband or having a family. And that hasn't come to fruition yet. And it's easy to get angry with God and say, but God, that's not what I planned. There are young couples who, like my wife and I were many years ago, that, Lord, please give me a child. Lord, give us a child. Lord, we want to have children. And maybe it's not been God's will. And that loneliness comes. Maybe it is that family is distant. And it's hard. But we don't always have to understand why. We just have to know that God's in control. And that we can trust him. Some of us are facing some broken health or broken body. Some of you deal with pain every day. Some of you quietly, quietly deal with things that many people would say, I could never go through that. I, I couldn't go the next day. But we can have contentment, trusting. Maybe some relationships didn't work. Maybe your plans didn't pan out. Maybe that business idea that you thought was such a great idea just didn't get off the ground. Maybe you had a plan and a career and now you're looking for work. Mm 
Maybe you're starting over. Can I tell you, whatever state you're in, whatever seat you're in, you can know that God's in control. And you can follow his decision, whatever it is. Number three, so if I'm in this seat, I don't want to be in this seat. This wouldn't be my pick. I wouldn't choose there. How do I deal with it? How do I deal with it to the point where I can say I'm content? Number three, lose yourself. Lose yourself in doing for others. Lose yourself in doing for others. The simplicity of this truth is going to cause many of us to not pay attention. It's going to cause many of us to say, well, Pastor, that doesn't make sense. But I promise you this morning, if you'll listen to some very practical help in the next few minutes, it'll help you. It'll help your attitude. It'll help your spirit. It'll help your marriage. It'll help your business. It'll help your family. Lose yourself in doing for others. Letter A, if you're lonely, if you're lonely, be a friend to someone who's lonely. Pastor, I'm lonely. I need someone to befriend me. And that's what the world says. That's world philosophy. It's me, 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 do for me. And we focus on ourselves. We focus on where we are. And we focus on, oh, woe is me. And everybody, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I guess I'll just go eat worms. And we throw ourselves a pity party every day. If you're lonely this morning, and all of us deal with loneliness to some extent, the best way to deal with loneliness is go find someone who's lonely and try to encourage them. You know what you find? You find you forget your loneliness. You find you forget that emptiness in your life as you seek to help fill the emptiness in someone else's life. As you take the initiative. When I was a young teenager, there was a man who lived down the road, a very unique man. He was a brilliant man. He was a former, former high school principal. He was a very successful businessman, a man that owned thousands of acres of land and had hundreds of head of cattle. And, but he lived like a hermit, had no friends, pretty well separated from his family. Some of you know who Don Knotts is, Barney Fife. Uh, he, went to, he went to college. He and Barney Fife went to college together. He was friends with him. But this man lived in a little trailer on the property, a rundown shack. Lived almost like a homeless man. Totally secluded from everybody and family and almost from society. But he was a multimillionaire. He lost his vision. He couldn't drive anymore, and he hitchhiked. And most of the time, nobody would pick him up. I remember my dad, one day we had watched a Christian film about helping somebody. And, and I can't remember the guy's name in the video, but my dad said, he's going to be whatever the person's name was. I'm, we're going we're gonna to care for him. And as a teenager, we started, I started picking him up and giving him rides, and he'd call our family, and we would, we'd cart him around, and we showed love to him, something that almost no one had ever done. There's lots of people around you that need somebody to care about them. And but we say, but I need someone to care about me. I wish somebody would see my need. And all we do is focus on our need, and we're never content. The people who are not content are people who never help to seek others' needs. They're those that we live selfish lives. We have selfish attitudes, selfish hearts. Learn to seek to meet others' needs. Let her be if you're discouraged. If you're discouraged, cheer somebody up who's discouraged. They say that misery loves company. 
No, you're discouraged. Man, i got to find somebody to tell them how miserable I am so they can be just as miserable as me. If you're discouraged, don't look for somebody to come and pump you up and lift you up and help you. I praise God we should do that in the, uh, the body of the local church, but don't think, I need someone to help me. The way to contentment is to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look around. I want to find somebody that's discouraged. And I want to encourage them. You know what's going to happen by default? You're going to be encouraged. You're going to find encouragement. I believe God allows us to be in the seat of discouragement so we can be the tool to help someone who is discouraged that nobody else can encourage. Because when someone comes to you that we know they're going through a difficult time and they're struggling and they're encouraging me, well, that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. Lose yourself in doing for others. There was a man in Dr. Truett's church, First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, many years ago. The man had lost his wife. He didn't even want to continue going on living. He went to Dr. True and he said, I don't want to go forward. I don't even want to, I don't even want to be alive. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to serve the Lord. I don't want to do anything. I don't even want to continue living. And Dr. Truett, a wise pastor, said to this man in his church who had lost his wife. He said, can I, can I get you to do me a favor? And he said, well, Pastor, I, I guess. He said, I, I guess I, I could help you with something. Dr. Truett wrote, wrote down an address, and he gave him the address. And he said, hey, he said, I, would you mind? I've got a family here that has some need. and Would you mind going and buying some groceries and delivering them to this address? The man said to his pastor, yeah, I, I could do that. So he did. As he was walking up to the door, this man who'd lost his wife, the man who had just told his pastor earlier that day, I have no reason to go on living. As he walked up to the door of the home of the address and the piece of paper his pastor had given him, he noticed the door was open. Of course, this was many years ago when you could leave your door open and not worry about somebody coming in. And he heard something. And he became curious, and he intruded a bit on the privacy as he leaned in to listen. And as he listened, he heard a lady praying, a lady who was a widow, who was rearing children without a husband. And she heard, he heard her prayer, and she bowed and said, oh, God. God, would you meet the needs for my children? God, would you provide food so I can feed my kids? God, would you help us? God, would you meet our need? The man stood outside the door that was cracked ajar. He waited until a little while after she was done praying. He knocked on the door. The woman who had just been crying out to God rushed to the door and was so delighted to see this man with bags of groceries. More excited than most of us would be to see bags of gold. God had answered her prayer. And she said to him, Sir, you are an angel from God. The man left that home that day and went back to his pastor's office. And Dr. Truett recounts the stories. He came in and he said to him, he said, Dr. Truett, I have a reason to live. I have a reason to live. Christian, we have a reason to live. If we would just lose ourselves in doing for others, I can guarantee you there's somebody worse off than you. Someone worse off than you. You know, we say, man, I wish I had a better car. Wish I had a nice car like that person or this person. 
until we find someone who doesn't have a car. And then the man who says, man, I wish I didn't have to walk. I wish I had a car to drive. Finds the person with no legs. And you keep going and going and going. We always find somebody in a more difficult situation, in a harder situation than we are. By the way, if your health is failing, can I tell you something that will encourage you? Let her see. Find someone who is in poor health and encourage them. Was in the hospital this last week making a hospital visit. Every time you go and you visit someone and encourage someone that's hurting or someone with health issues, can I tell you what I, I normally find in myself? <laughs> I forget about any problems I think I have. My problems become pretty small. My, my, my small, very small physical problems become much smaller when I visit a 27-year-old young man was facing the final days of stage four cancer, ready to say goodbye to this world. Dear friend, lose yourself. Lose yourself in doing for others. When we say, I need help, someone needs to help me. Why don't you find somebody to help this week? Find somebody that says, man, I gotta, I gotta find somebody like, has the same problems I do. I wanna help them lose your problems. Number four, number four, let the grace of God run its full course in your life. How many of you have ever taken antibiotics before? What's the doctor always tell you when you get the antibiotics? If you start feeling better, don't stop taking them. Take all of them. Why? Because they're designed in such a way that they work when you take the full course. Once in a while, you take the first couple of days, man, I'm feeling better. I can throw these away. And then you don't get better. Take the full course. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, and he said to me, God speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I am become a fool in glory. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been condemned of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Let the grace of God run its full course. Trust God's grace. Trust God's grace. It's made evidence through your weakness. You'll never see, and get this statement, you will never see the grace of God. You'll never see the grace of God as its fullest until you accept the assignment before you. Until you accept where you are. Until you're content. In whatsoever state I am, I've learned to be content. When we accept our place, when we accept our seat, when we trust that God's in control, it's only then that we can see the goodness, the fullness of God's grace. May we be willing to serve in whatever capacity God places us. As I think of Christians in the past. As I think of those who have gone before us, I think of the missionary team that years ago had a burden to get the gospel to a tribe of headhunters who they knew needed the gospel. And they tried to forge a relationship as they would fly in and try to trade with them and, and try, to, try to break the gospel to them. One day those young men would fly in to that distant jungle village never to fly out again because the very people they were trying to reach would kill them. And we say, what a waste. What a waste. Why do they care about those people? 
Why do they waste their life? I wish this were not true, and I don't share it to speak ill of anyone. But when I was in grade 12, I was graduating from high school. My school administrator's wife, who was also my math teacher, wonderful lady, phenomenal teacher. She was a Christian, and I don't share this story to speak ill of her. I think she was a, a good woman. She's in heaven now. But the day of my high school graduation, she pulled me aside. And she said to me, Brian, don't waste your life by being a preacher. Christian school. Don't waste your life by being a preacher. You see, she had ideas of things that she thought I could do. Things that she thought that I was suitable to do. And she thought that if I didn't do those things that she had thought, that it was a waste. As I said, a good woman, a wonderful lady, I loved her. But her discernment was wrong. Don't waste your life by being a preacher. Many of you, if you could have gone back and met those young men who would lose their lives to that tribe, you would have gone to them and said, hey, don't waste your lives. Don't, don't fly there. Don't get on that plane today. Don't go there. You're going to waste your life. Can I tell you what happened, what God did? The wives of those men Eventually, God would use to go to that same village and share the gospel with the same men that killed their husbands. And almost the entire people in that remote village would come to Christ. When you live your life for Christ, it's never wasted. God will run his full course of grace in your life. You can trust him. You can be content. Paul said, I will glory in my infirmities. There is a God in heaven who is in control. There's a God in heaven who is in control of the position and seat of your life. And we need to realize that we belong to him. If you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you that he has a seat for you in heaven? He wants waiting for you. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. But he won't knock your door down. He won't force himself on you. But he offers to you eternal life. Christian, he has a place for you. It may be that his plan doesn't make sense to you or to me but it's for his glory. For us to attempt to change that seat is to kick against the pricks. Years ago, I'll share this story and I'll close. Years ago, there were some very famous musicians. Most of you know the story. Most of you my age or older. They were traveling. It was very cold. And they were having trouble with the bus. And the heat in the bus wasn't working, so one of the musicians decided to charter a plane. And they would travel to the next engagement. On the way home from that event, there was a musician who was supposed to be on that plane. But he realized that one of the other musicians that was at that event was under the weather and had a cold. And he said to him, I'll tell you what. He said, why don't you take my seat on the plane? And I'll take the bus. You, you know, you're sick. You go on the plane. I'll take the bus. And there was another musician who said, hey, I want to take the plane too. And somebody else gave up their seat. And two men who were supposed to be on that plane 
rode the bus. They gave up their seat and let other people on their seat on the plane. That plane would crash. Three prolific musicians would die. Two of the people on that plane weren't supposed to be on it. Two of the seats occupied on that plane that went down that many refer to as the day that music died were in seats that were not their seats. Too often we want to change seats. A Christian, God knows what seat you belong in. God knows how to allow His grace to run its full course in your life. May we... Trust Him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Before we pray, before we begin our invitation, this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed, as we bow in attitude of prayer this morning, I wonder how many of us are facing decisions. How many of us are facing difficulties in life? I wonder how many of us in the last seven days have gone to God and said, God, can you change my place? God, I don't want to be dealing with this. God, I don't know if I can go through this. God, I, I, I don't want to be here. I, I, I want to be in another area. I want to be in another situation. And maybe it is that God has said no. Would you be willing this morning to accept that God's in control? Nothing wrong with praying and asking God to change your space, but would you be willing this morning to acknowledge to God that, God, whatever your purpose is, whatever your will, I'll be content. Maybe this morning you're here and say, Pastor, I, I've got some difficulties, and I focus on myself too much. I constantly focus on my need and my problem. Maybe you need to make a decision to lose yourself in living for others. Maybe you need to think of somebody. Who can I encourage this week? Who can I visit this week? Who can I help this week? Who's discouraged that I can encourage? Lose yourself. Be willing to stay in your seat. Be willing to stay in your seat. Trust the Lord. Let God run his full course. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, would you trust him? Lord, I pray that you would work in hearts and lives here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would move in hearts. Lord, if I was God, I think of so many decisions that I would make, but Lord, if I did, they'd be wrong decisions because they would not be your will. Lord, I don't understand your will. Lord, you tell us that your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts above our thoughts. But Lord, I know that I can trust you. Lord, I pray you'd help us to do so. God, help decisions to be made this morning for your glory. Lord, if there's one here that knows you're not a Savior, I pray that they would come today believing. Lord, help us to be content. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand with me this morning? As the music begins playing quietly, the altar is open to